Good day wherever you're listening from and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio. It's Friday, March 6th, 2015. We're up to episode 359. My name is Radio Joe Hughes. Here with me in the studio is our engineer, John. You gotta have faith. And joining me from Studio C in McKee's Rocks is the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Hello, everybody. Hi, Joe. Good day, Cliff. Always a pleasure. Uh, This week's guest is going to be Al Veek. Al is the executive director of the National Air Filtration Association, a longtime industry veteran and widely respected. We look forward to the interview. Before we get started, let's thank our sponsors. John Don Products, or restoration and abatement contractor shop. Visit them at johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanfactswithanx.com and cmmonline.com. IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at iaq.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IQ Radio when you acquire about their products or services. Okay, you can stream the show direct from our homepage on IAQ Radio or follow the link that says Go to Show. And at that site, which is the TalkShoe website, you can either stream or download previous or current shows. Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com let's turn it over to the z-man for today's iaq radio trivia question thanks joe Win a cool prize by out-competing fellow IAQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ Radio trivia question each week. Submitting your answer is easy. Either email it to cslotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live, you can text in the answer via your computer. I'm sorry to report there were no correct answers to last week's trivia question. The IEQ Radio Trivia Question for Friday, March 6, 2015 has been sponsored by Triska, the Tri-State Restorers and Specialty Cleaners Association who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Remember, Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Their website is trsca.org. Now for today's IAQ Radio Trivia question. What does the acronym MERV stand for? Back to you, Joe. All right. Thanks, Cliff. We forgot to have the uh, awe on there. But we'll get it next time. Hopefully we'll have a right answer this week. All right. We've got Al Veek today. Al is the executive director of the National Air Filtration Association. 
They're headquartered in Virginia Beach, Virginia. He's a graduate of Butler University in Indianapolis, Indiana. His degree was in business administration, and when he began his third career in the air filtration business in 1985, he was with Tidewater Air Filter and their vice president of sales. While with Tidewater, he was elected to the presidency of the National Air Filtration Association. This was back in 99. He also served and worked on the committee that wrote the first book on air filtration, NAFA Guide to Air Filtration, and was part of the first group of NAFA members to pass the nationally accredited exam to become a NAFA Certified Air Filter Specialist. He also worked on the committee to write their second text, NAFA Installation, Operation, and Maintenance of Air Filtration Systems. When he retired from the filter industry in 2002, he was recruited to be the uh, executive director of the trade association. He had some prior trade experience and took on the job and has been the executive director since then. He is also a member of the ASHRAE um, since 1985. He's headed the ASHRAE TC 2.4, still a voting member, and a member of the International Facility Management Association. He's a recipient of both the NAFA Distinguished Service Award and the ASHRAE Distinguished Lecturer and Distinguished Service Award. We've got some intro music for Al. I got that dust, pneumonia, pneumonia in my lung. I got the dust, pneumonia, pneumonia in my lung. And I'm gonna sing this dust pneumonia song. I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, my son. I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, my son. You got that dust pneumonia, and you ain't got long, not long. Okay, Al, let's get Al unmuted. Hello, Al. Good morning, Joe. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Good to have you. I don't know if you could make out the song. It, it comes out much better on the uh, on the recording. <laughs> Tough to hear on the phone. Hey, Al, let's let's talk a little bit about NAFA first. How long have they been around? How many members do you have? Give us some some basic information on the organization. Sure, um, we NAFA has been around since 1980, so we're a relatively young organization. Um, Currently, we, we uh, are an association that, that uh, has membership by companies. So we have about 237 companies, which comprise about 710 individuals uh, represented. And, of course, we've got another, um, oh, gosh, about uh, 548 uh, certified air specialists, about 430 NAPA certified technicians. When you add all those numbers together, there are a little over 1,700. Okay, interesting. So you you have corporate members, basically, not individuals. Correct, and and, and the, the main two main categories, several categories, but two main is the active members who are the ones who distribute air filtration products and services um, worldwide, and the other are the manufacturers that manufacture those products for those distributors. Okay, okay. So you have manufacturers, and then. Distributors, you know, I've noticed. Um, I don't know if this is new, but it's some or it's something new to me. 
there's a, a lot of people out doing filter changes for you know large um, campuses and so on and so forth. It seems like a good good industry to get into. Is that accurate? Uh, it's very accurate. Uh, a lot of uh, a, a lot of organizations uh, put down and, and realize that when you're when you're paying a technician. Um, I don't know, twenty or thirty dollars an hour. When he touches a five or six dollar filter to change it, it, it doesn't make sense. And by having a lot of our distributors involved in uh, in the service end of the business, they uh, they're able to take a crew out and change filters and do it specifically and uh, do it faster and better and most of the time with less than uh, than than the owners uh, actually doing it. Yeah, the group I was working with. They did a little evaluation on it, and for their campus, a small community college, they figured that they couldn't do it for the same price as the guys coming in to do it as a service. Yeah, it's uh, again your your uh, long term costs that you have with a, with an employee benefits and health insurance and that kind of thing. Uh, it's it, it's a good item to look at to outsource. That's for sure. Okay. Cliff, let me turn it over to you. Okay. Um, I guess, what's really new in filtration? Well, the biggest, uh, I guess the biggest thing that is, is new, that I, I, I promise say two things. Number one, the uh, the medias have changed somewhat. We now have a, some, some uh, relatively new medias on the market, and I say relatively new. They've been on the market for past five or six years, but are gaining in popularity. The first one uh, would be the electrically enhanced media that you would see at a, uh, at a retail store, or your listeners might see at a retail store, uh, manufactured by a number of different manufacturers, but it's, uh, but it's enhanced during the manufacturing process to either have it a, a predominantly uh, positive or negative charge, and then you just uh, you, you combine those in a non-woven fabric uh, that attract particles in the air that might have an opposite charge, almost like a magnet, if you will. And uh, and the second thing is that the uh, the industry has uh, has gotten a lot into synthetic materials, uh, but the uh, the microglass material still uh, dominates into the higher efficiency ranges and the uh, the what we call the mini pleat V cell filter. And now it's become very popular in the uh, in the commercial side of the industry. It's uh, it's small, about a one inch pleated uh, microglass, and then that in itself is put into a to V configuration in a um, in a commercial filter, and it gives the um, it gives the owner a, a lower pressure drop by uh, by almost like acting as a pre-filter type pressure drop, uh, having an extremely high efficiency, MER 14, 15 up in that range for those folks who get the Merv question right. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they got, got it right. <laughs> it was like a, like a jump toss up question. <laughs> so when you say micro glass, is this like a fiberglass or is it a different type of product? Yeah, I know it's a, it is a micro glass uh, product. It's the same, uh, a product that we, we call it a wet-laid media. It's made very similar to uh, regular cellulose paper. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's microglass. It's put in a slurry, uh, mixed together with uh, some other binders and those kinds of things, and then uh, dewatered on a, uh, on a moving chain and, and uh, pressed out and, and dried. 
so it, uh, the advantage of the, the microglass material is the, the size of the fibers of, of, uh, in the media are very, very small, which allows you to capture uh, very small particles. And would HEPA filters also commonly be made from this microglass? The, the, same, uh, the same process, yes, sir. Correct. Okay. But with the HEPA, can you tell us a little bit about the difference between the, like a MERV, uh, the mid-range type filters, the MERV 11 through 14, and a HEPA? Is it just the same material but more of it, thicker, or is there some other difference? Um, mainly, the, well, actually, for for discussion purposes today, HEPA filters really are almost different than any other type of filter because of their um, effective capture um, on on small particles. So when we talk the lower efficiency, and I say even those are a higher efficiency, more thirteen through fifteen, um, you're, you're talking um, using a different type of test. To test that filter, the fibers are slightly larger. You have a smaller pressure drop uh, in all of those types of filters versus a HEPA filter. And just kind of give you a, uh, a comparison. Let's say a MERV 13 filter might have an initial clean pressure drop of, um, if we're talking the minipleat V cell, you could be around 0 0.30 inches of water, whereas a HEPA filter uh, starts out clean pretty close to one inch of water, a 0.8 to one inch uh, clean. So it's a, it's a tremendous difference in uh, the, the, the amount of media and the size of the fibers in a HEPA filter versus those in a MERV filter. You know, it's interesting, Al, that you bring up this topic and, and we're talking about this a little bit because I, I think people, and correct me if I'm wrong, want to move to a HEPA filter when a MERV 13 through 15 or even 11 through 15 might be just fine for what they need. Is, does that seem right to you? Yeah, that does seem right, yes. A lot of people um, don't understand that the higher efficiency, and this is, of course, we're speaking now rule of thumb, but the typically the higher efficiency of the filter the more the pressure drop, the more the resistance to the flow of air is for that filter. And uh, it's, it's not unusual to take a, a residential system, for example, and you can quickly uh, exceed its ability, uh, its external static uh, pressure by using a higher efficiency filter. And what happens is uh, you increase the static, you decrease the velocity pressure, and so you're moving less air, and actually the air becomes uh, dirtier because you're not sending it through the filter as, uh, as opposed to using maybe a slightly uh, lesser efficient filter and having the air move through and, and capture the particles. So, yes, you're, you're correct. There's, a, there's a, a lot of factors that go into play, uh, and you can't necessarily just look at the efficiency factor of a filter. Now, when you say the air is not moving through the filter, is it is it bypassing the filter because of that resistance? And you're, you're just choking off the ability of, to move the air, the velocity of the air. So you're you're literally leaving the air in the room. You're not circulating it through the system and hence through the filter. Okay, okay. And I, I wanted to kind of get that background because later we're going to talk about this paper that uh, 
excuse me, NAFA, I guess, sponsored the HVAC filtration and the Wells Rally approach to assessing risks of infectious airborne diseases. And from looking at that, I think later it'll help that we establish the foundation of, you know, the mid-range versus the high-range. And just to get this out of the way too, Al, what is a MERV filter uh, or a HEPA filter's MERV rating approximate? Uh, the answer is no. HEPA filters are rated on a on a different uh, on a military standard that goes back uh, standard 282, which goes back many many years uh, ago. That is still a, a viable <clears throat> testing standard where they utilize a um, a different type of challenge for HEPA filters because of the of the uh, the difference of an efficiency. And again, we're talking about. Uh, MERV 15 filter capturing very, very small particles at at a very high percentage, uh, efficiency percentage. HEPA filters capture just about everything. We, you know, HEPA filters are utilized to clean the air almost completely except for one very, very small range of particle sizes where the particle stops acting like a solid particle and starts behaving like a gas particle. Right around down uh, in the in the 0.257 to 0.3 micrometer range, and hence the terminology of 0.3 micrometers uh, has been used for HEPA filters. So it does a HEPA filter does 99.97 percent. Uh, it's 99.97 percent efficient on 0.3 micrometer particles. Uh, so it's uh, it's an extremely efficient filter. Uh, not that, that the uh, MERV-style filters don't capture a, a very large percentage. They're also up in the 99%, but it's of a different... Uh, we're looking at different particle sizes um, uh, in, in both the small particle size and the larger particle size. Okay. Cliff, do you want to handle the text? I think that's a good question. Um, let's see. We've got a text question here, Al, from a listener. I want to see if uh, you want me to get it. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. All right. It says here, one of the big issues we face in the HVACR industry today is the way homes are constructed. These large open concept homes do not in many ways allow for ease of particulate removal because they fall out of suspension in the air. Um, any filter solutions to that? Um, the last part of the question was that the, the particles fall out of the air, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I guess because the, the homes these days, these big you know, homes are very open concept. And as a result, what they're saying is the particles, I guess, never make it, the larger ones anywhere, never make it to the, to the HVAC system where they would be filtered out. They kind of fall out of the air. Any uh, solutions to that issue that would involve filters? Uh, yes, yes, there are. As a matter of fact, uh, there there are a couple. Number one, in the home, make sure that the the largest contributor to the particle load is is source captured, and that normally occurs in the kitchen. Kitchens, cafeterias, restaurants uh, are all. Uh, very, very large particulate generators. And so if you have a, a, a large home, chances are you probably got one of those new fancy 
gas or electric, um, almost a restaurant-sized range, and it's really imperative to make sure that that's installed correctly and that the exhaust system for that is installed correctly so that you're removing that large particulate generator at the source. Um, another thing you can do is use uh, very high-efficiency <coughs> vacuum cleaners that employ HEPA filtration uh, as, a, as a final filter on the vacuum so that when you vacuum and clean the facility or the house that you're not re-entraining particles that have fallen out of the air onto the floor. So utilizing really high-efficiency uh, cleaning vacuum cleaning uh, pipe equipment is also helpful. And those are two things that, that people can do, whether it's a commercial facility or a residential facility, to really cut down on the, um, on the particulate load. Uh, it's almost a, a source capture. And then we can, you know, if we, if we get into other things, you know, it becomes a little more complicated because, you know, get rid of the kids, get rid of the dogs, get rid of the carpeting. Probably <laughs> things that most people don't want to do at this point. Well, you know, I think I was really, when I read the question, I thought, wow. That's a tough one. I don't know that you know Al can come up with the answer, but you came up with two two good uh, two good ways of trying to assist with that issue. I guess beyond redesigning the configuration of the home or changing the way the mechanical system's built or designed, those would be great great solutions. I appreciate that. All right, let's go over. Well, I, I would like to add. I would like to add two more things if I could. Number Please. one is uh, what a lot of people do is run the. HVAC system on the fan on continuous mode. Um, it obviously adds to the energy uh, bill. However, it does do two things to the home. It, it continually cleans the air if the filter is in the HVAC system, which most are. Uh, and number two, it gets rid of a lot of the stratification of uh, cooled or heated air in the home. And the second uh, solution is if you have a particularly difficult area, uh, you certainly can purchase a portable air filtration unit, and a lot of those units are uh, very readily available um, online or, uh, or over the over the internet, and and uh, we'll we'll provide a, a nice piece of equipment that you can put in the place that is generating or is 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 the source of a, of, of a lot of your contaminant, and it will clean the air. I I just say if you always want to know what kind of car to drive, I guess you, you go ask the mechanic what kind of car he or she is driving. And so um, I have a, a, a HEPA-filtered air filtration unit in uh, in my bedroom because that's where you spend eight hours at night, um, a, a lot of time in bedrooms. And, and so um, it's kind of important to make sure that the air in the bedroom is nice and clean. So but that's what I use uh, to... Uh, to to uh, clean the air in the bedroom. Okay, Al, let's let's move to a little bit. I, I noticed in um, uh, one of the documents I went through here that oh, I know what it was the the guide to air filtration, but more importantly, the inst um, installation operations and maintenance of air filtration systems. I I was looking at the title actually, and I thought you know let me ask a couple quick questions about what are the most common reasons. First of all, that filters don't perform as well as they as they could. Well, I'd say probably the, the biggest the biggest items are, are uh, just a couple, and that is number one, you you select, and we already talked about selecting the wrong filter for the application. 
that that normally is one of one of the, the big reasons that we see. Number two, a filter is installed a certain way, and there is a, a correct way and an incorrect way to install a filter. And so we see a lot of filters installed incorrectly. We see damaged filters uh, being installed in units. Uh, and then finally, you have um, you always have the possibility that uh, air is a little bit like teenagers. It takes the path of least resistance. And and so you'll have, um, if, you, if you're given a filter an opportunity, it, it will allow air to bypass or leak past the filter as opposed to going into the, uh, and through the media. So uh, always good to make sure that, that the gasketing is in place or that the filter is sealed in its track completely so that you don't have any bypass uh, on the filter. Cliff, I just want to make sure if you have a follow-up or you want to jump in, let me know. I'm good. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Uh, I've also... I want to, well, let's let's continue on the uh, installation operations and maintenance of air filtration systems. By the way, I got a note from a frequent listener and past guest that you and NAFA have been great friends to the educational side of HVAC um, training for years, and that these two documents or books, I guess they would be, or, or must-haves for your library. Um, anyway, installation... Oh, it was it was nice to see, you know, and I I, I know that um, you have been a, a a big advocate for education training. What about maintenance of filtration systems? What can you tell us, you know, either from the book or from your your experience about the maintenance of air filtration systems? I would say probably the biggest thing, Joe, would be that that in even in the best of systems, and I've seen some really uh, good commercial applications where the, the folks take uh, really good care of their systems and, and, uh, and have also been in places that, uh, that don't. The HVAC room sometimes become, becomes a store room for a bunch of the uh, clutter and material that is, uh, is in a facility. And so uh, one of the main things that I see from time to time that really is, is difficult for air filters and air filter systems as a room becomes a storeroom for, for chemicals or cleaning compounds or those kinds of things that then, uh, unfortunately, are drawn into the unit. And most units have, uh, by their very nature, you have to have piping going into a unit uh, uh, for, your, for your coolant. So you have um, holes in the, in the filter system or in, or in the HVAC system that may allow air to bypass uh, from those rooms directly into into the uh, airstream. So those are those are kinds of things we see holes in, in systems and and people that um, that that store materials in rooms next to HVAC systems that really probably shouldn't be stored there. Uh, so those are the those are two main things. The other things that we see, of course, is just uh, lack of maintenance, lack of good maintenance on equipment, and allowing, for example, a heating uh, cooling coil to uh, not be cleaned in an efficient manner. If you use a lower efficient filter, uh, obviously that particulate goes downstream, and, and in a commercial application or even in a residential application, that's then stopped by um, a, normally a cooling coil. And that cooling coil, we say uh, in the industry, we say is about a MERV-8. So if you're using anything less than a MERV-8 filter in your system, chances are the uh, cooling coil becomes uh, part of the filtration system, and people 
uh, have to have those cleaned from time to time, especially when a commercial uh, application. Uh, and I would like to hear, to, to add here, Joe, if I could, that um, the ultraviolet germicidal irradiation industry has really uh, come to the forefront in the last number of years. Folks putting um, a UVGI downstream and shining it on the coil has really had a beneficial effect of killing some of that biofilm that, that gets on coil. So you have the filtration up front, and then you have the UV light um, downstream, which, which kills microorganisms and also cleans the, uh, the condensate pan if there's any growth, uh, growth there. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, a real good belt and suspenders approach to clean air in facilities, especially in those critical facilities such as uh, uh, hospitals and healthcare facilities. Let's go to residential uh, filtration for just a minute, Al. What, what, do you have like a, a recommendation for how often people in general should change their filter on their HVAC? Well, we always say uh, that the, the, the question that we always joke about in the filter industry is how often should you empty your wastebasket? And, and uh, the answer, of course, is when it's full. And, and the, the same with an air filtration uh, system. Uh, the difficulty, Joe, is in residential, most of the time, unless you're, you're filter guys like we are, you don't have any kind of gauge on the system uh, to let you know when the pressure has gotten to the point that you're, you're not moving uh, air or your, your filter is loaded and it's gone past its, its life and service. And so normally if the, the rule of thumb would be, depend, depending on the, the MERV filter that you have in your system, uh, we we would recommend at least uh, no longer than 45 to 60 days for the higher efficiency filters, um, and and even lower efficiency filters. We uh, we don't even recommend you put those in the system. Uh, the old throwaway fiberglass filters uh, were good for many many years, and now have pretty well been replaced by the uh, the pleated media style filters. Those are the ones we would recommend putting into the system. Again, those because of the ability to capture particles, you'll want to make sure that you uh, keep those changed every every uh, forty-five to sixty days. And so when you say low, um, is there a MERV rating on that low end that you don't recommend people use at all? I would think anything under six would not would not be recommended anymore because a MERV six pleated uh, media filter is fairly easy to get. Uh, at, a, at a Home Depot or Lowe's or something like that, a, a re- retail store, and, and consequently, um, and, and they're 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 very efficient. They do an excellent job. Um, again, we we are looking at moving from the old fiberglass filter. That really, uh, it's difficult to even have a a MERV uh, number on those because they're so such a low efficiency. But certainly under four. Um, uh, in in MERV numbers. So I would say anything six, six or over is good for the residential application. You know, Al, I don't, I don't see as many MERV numbers on filters as I used to when you go into wherever your Home Depot, your Lowe's, your, your local hardware store, you pick up a filter. Uh, is, can you enlighten me on why that, that's happened lately? I haven't noticed it, Joe, but I will say that obviously those uh, filter manufacturers who do not list a MERV number on a filter are not having the filter tested. And 
that isn't good for the industry. It isn't good for the end user because this good, better, best is strictly a, a manufacturer's lingo uh, put on a filter. You know, this is a good filter, this is a better filter, and this is absolutely the best filter. Well, that's, that's fine, uh, but that may very well be an opinion by the manufacturer. And when you use the um, ASHRAE 52.2 standard test, which, which uh, gives you the MERV number, that's fact. We know that when that filter is tested, it's tested, and that is, that's a fact. Uh, much better to rely on that fact than someone's opinion. All right. Let's, Cliff, is there anything you want to get in before we go to halftime? Um, no. All right. Al, we're going to stop. We have to thank our sponsors. We'll be back in 90 seconds with the second half of our interview with Al Veek. Great stuff. I'm not, you know, Sometimes these subjects come up and you think, well, you know, how much new can you learn? And, and so far, it's been excellent. Thanks a lot, Al. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Okay. The Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit, multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions. We use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Check them out at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors, John Don Products, or restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanfactswithanx.com and cmmonline.com. IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at iaq.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you acquire about their products or services. Okay, we're back with the second half of our interview. We've got Al Veek, uh, the Executive Director of the National Air Filtration Association. Al, before we went to break i had a text from a or a, a text message here from a listener and i want to read this and then i want to ask you a question um speaking of filter bypass a 1000 to 1100 square foot home can typically circulate wow is that 353,774,000 cubic feet per year so even a small amount of bypass is is a big number now Using that as my setup, um, with respect to the the way filters are um, inserted into mechanical systems, you know the the holding the, the the typical residential system. Is there any improvement being made on making sure that these things fit a little better, or that they have a a way of latching them in a little bit better? Is that something that frustrates your people? Uh, it is because obviously the filter is normally the blame to uh, to any system that may have a, a 
a problem with the track or the way the filters install or something like that. And, and, and again, just so your listener understands, we're not talking about uh, gaps the size of, for example, say a, a, a playing card. Those don't seem to be, according to the research, if you have a gap, something like that, that, don't, that doesn't seem to be uh, a particular problem uh, in most low-velocity systems. And, and that would be, for example, a residential system. Now, having said that, when you do get into gaps where you have uh, an eighth to a quarter of an inch, then obviously you are having a fair amount of air bypass. And it could be that the, the filter is, the, is, is listed as the blame for that, but actually it's, it needs to be uh, have some gasketing of some type put on it in order for it to fit in the frame. To, to kind of answer your question directly... <laughs> Uh, we don't see the manufacturers doing any particular thing about making filters fit better into into the uh, into the filter banks of the residential side of the equation. The commercial side has always been fairly good at, at making sure that there's gasketing and and that kind of thing. But the residential, uh, not quite as much because again we have a low velocity system. It's put in normally by uh, just a typical HVAC and our contractor, and uh, and a lot of a lot of times, not uh, enough attention is paid to that. There is a product on the market uh, that's available that allows you to put some gasketing on the on the filter side of the uh, where the filter is installed in an HVAC system, so you can get those kinds of things that really help uh, do away with any bypass. Most of the time, it's just a matter of, of the, the filter slides in, and you put some kind of door on, or, or some some kind of um, encasement is closed in it, and you have bypass uh, around the inside of the filter, if you will, Joe, in, in a residential application. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's a concern. And w- is there any, you know, now that people are more aware of indoor air quality and filtration in general, do you see any? movement toward instead of a one inch maybe a two inch gap to allow for two inch filters as opposed to one uh, yeah filter hiding frames uh, a lot of uh, manufacturers are moving to the two inch uh, style frames still a, a large number uh, are staying with the one inch and then you can get a good one inch pleated media filter that will, will do a good job um, and that is that is available, but uh, for the for the systems that have a little bit larger velocity, uh, you would you would hope that they would put in uh, for a two inch uh, a two inch track to hold the two inch filter. And Cliff, I know you're writing away there. Cliff writes a blog during the show here, Al. So you know sometimes okay. I kind of take control of the questions, but I want to make sure every so often I I give him a chance for a follow up. Cliff, anything you want to follow up with? I think again we have, we have a text question which, which I think is important and really what the text question is is if you consider proper duct sizing elbows veins how important is this when it comes to particle removal effectiveness? Uh, I would say critical. As, as good a filter as you put into a system, no matter how how great the filter is, we all know in the HVAC industry. But if you don't have the proper airflow, the proper air movement 
through the facility, you're they're just it's just useless to to even try. So it's critical to, to have all of that correct and the installing of the of the, the ductwork correctly, uh, making sure that the the elbows are are done correctly and and all of that to make sure that you have the airflow through the system is the only thing that's going to make it possible for the filter to do its job. Uh, so I would say the answer to the question is critical, critical uh, issue. Uh, can you tell the listeners what a vein is? I'm sorry? Can you tell the listeners what veins are? V-A-N-E-S, veins. Oh, sure. Turning veins in, uh, in elbows and other uh, types of systems, uh, a lot of manufacturers will, in, will install a, um, a turning vein, which actually just helps the air go around the bend in a particular piece of ductwork. Uh, you see it more in the commercial side. I have never seen it in a residential application. I'm not sure. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but in most all commercial applications, you do have turning veins uh, in the ductwork when you're when you're causing the air to change direction and 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 turn a corner. Uh, if I'm not at you, a lot of people think of air in terms uh, in in thinking of the air about the way it flows in terms of water. Uh, and really, nothing could be further from the truth. Water has uh, uh, got all kinds of different uh, um, things that it does that really make sense in, inside your brain. Whereas air, uh, it can go in just about any direction. <laughs> For those people that have a bladed fan in their home, uh, they can see that there's dirt on the back side of the blade, and you wonder. Well, now, how does air going through a fan get dirt on the backside of a blade? Well, that's because you have turbulence. Uh, anytime you're moving air, you have turbulence. And hence, hence uh, the, the, the way air moves is just a little bit crazy. But that's why you would install a turning vane, is to get rid of that turbulence, the natural turbulence that you would have in the air as it goes around the corner. Okay. Good. Al, you, you were a member of the... Um committee that wrote the ASHRAE position document on filtration and air cleaning. And I, I, was, I uh, was honored to be on that committee. I asked this for a reason. That, you know, ASHRAE is a pretty conservative bunch, and um, they're, they're big on ventilation, which I think, you know, everybody agrees ventilation is a good thing. Um, do you think maybe they could be a little more receptive to some of the new filtration technology and, and cut down on the amount of ventilation? <laughs> Well, I, hope, I certainly hope so. This paper we see as kind of a first step to show the the value that you have in cleaning the air versus just in, in ventilating the air. Again, the, the the solution to pollution is dilution mindset has been around for a very long time where if you, uh, I, I think probably a good example is if you had a, a quart of water that was highly contaminated, and to that quart of water you added 100 gallons of absolutely pure water, you could dilute that down to where it was uh, basically not contaminated water again. The same is, is thought of as air. If you've got uh, bad air in a particular facility, just, just bring in the outdoor air. Uh, the difficulty with that is, of course, that now with energy being... Uh, in the forefront of everybody's mind and energy conservation um, and uh, carbon footprint and, and, and those kinds of things, people are thinking of, of better ways to, what can we do without tempering the air, without cooling it or heating it? 
And one of the ways to do that, of course, with filtration is to clean the air inside a facility with filtration and instead of just diluting it with ventilation air. Okay. Now, I ask that because I know the next thing I want to ask you about is a document that you sent me. It's called HVAC Filtration and the Wells-Riley Approach to Assessing Risks of Infectious Airborne Diseases. And this is um, developed for NAFA, prepared by Dr. Brent Stevens at the Department of Civil, Architectural, and Environmental Engineering at the Illinois Institute of Technology. And it's a very interesting paper, and it's an important topic. You know, how do we reduce the potential for infectious airborne disease in hospitals, daycare, schools, etc.? And I know there were three particular areas, uh, office environment, school environment, and hospital environment that were covered in this. So first, if you could, could you just give listeners a little overview of what what led to the development of this paper and, and what it's all about? Uh, yeah, briefly, yeah, try and, yeah, this is a little bit like describing brain surgery, but it, in, in brief, the Wells-Riley equation has uh, has is is a is a graph with two lines and it basically says the more outside air you bring in the lower your chance of contracting an infectious disease that might be in the air in a facility uh, with 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 zero ventilation being extremely high risk of getting it versus uh, bringing in 20 or 30 cfm of air per person uh, lowers that risk and so we, we use the, the Wells-Riley equation has been around for, for quite some time. And with the advent of ASHRAE uh, standard 52.2, we knew the particle size removal of, of a filter. We knew exactly what size particle and how much of that particle would be removed by that filter. And so basically what we asked uh, Dr. Stevens to do, and what he did, was to, to give us some modeling on... Uh, the the same effect that ventilation from Wells Riley would be using filtration. Uh, in other words, the the increasing efficiency of filtration, removing those small particle sizes. Uh, how 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 would that be quick to bringing it out the air? And he did a great job in showing how right around MERV 13 seems to be uh, a filter efficiency that would really for the for the uh, efficiency and for the ability of it to reduce that risk uh, happened to be kind of a magic number. But any additional efficiency on filters helps uh, pull these infectious uh, diseases out of the air, and so you're, you're reducing your risk of infection. In a school, it was fairly, uh, fairly substantial. It was able to show a very, very substantial reduction in, uh, in that risk. And again, these are these are models that Dr. Stevens was doing, but this is how you, modeling is how we show these kinds of things. I mean, it's hard to have a bunch of people, would you please volunteer to get sick so we can show how <laughs> doing increased ventilation will, will make you not get sick or increased filtration will not make you sick. So modeling is a great way to do it. He did it and, uh, and, and some excellent, excellent results. And it, it, it actually would save money as well as I, I, I had to walk away for just a second, but I don't know if you touched on the, the financial aspect of, of changing and, and upgrading filtration to, you know, I think it said MERV 13 to 15 was kind of that sweet spot. 13 was the minimum. And then um, 
kind of reducing the ventilation as well. So you're saving money on um, reducing the ventilation, but you're still making sure that you're uh, reducing the potential for these airborne disease infections to occur by by making sure you have the right filtration in there. That That is correct. And, and most of the time people think, oh, we'll just introduce outdoor air. But that outdoor air, number one, a lot of times the outdoor air in many cities across the United States is not uh, the term that people use. They call it fresh air. It's not fresh. Uh, as a matter of fact, a lot of times the outdoor air is every bit uh, is contaminated with particulate or with gaseous uh, contaminants as uh, as the indoor air, or maybe even more so. And so you have to clean that air to, as you bring it in. Of course, the second thing you have to do is temper it. You have to heat it or cool it. So there's a real cost involved in bringing in outdoor air. And if you're able to to reduce that outdoor air intake and clean and recirculate the air in, within the facility, which is already heated or cooled to a specific temperature, uh, you certainly can use a lot less energy. And again, that's part of the um, uh, the modeling that Dr. Stevens did. It showed very clearly that, that filtration uh, beat ventilation every single time when it came to cost. And I wonder if... Um if there were other findings that came out, I didn't get a chance. It's about, I guess, about 40 pages here. Is there any other findings that came out in this paper that you wanted to make sure people were aware of? I think it's a, just a uh, overall that, 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 as you mentioned earlier, about ASHRAE and other organizations. We we really, if we're, if we're moving as a society towards net zero energy, which is trying to make sure the facility either produces as much energy as it consumes or uh, you're using solar and, and uh, other uh, wind and other types of, of uh, generating things, that, that we have to get into the mindset of, of reducing the outdoor air that we take in. So that, that was the main purpose of the research that we did here. I know Dr. Stevens has gone on and done some other modeling, and we continue to work with him to... Uh, to promote this kind of uh, this kind of research, so that we can get closer and closer towards that net zero. Let's let's look at a a, a way that buildings can um, can can get into this net zero mold, and I think that's a, a goal of ASHRAE as well. But the first thing we have to do is just to <laughs> kind of change our thinking about how we uh, how we take in outdoor air and uh, heat it and cool it, and the cost involved. And. I want to talk a little bit about hospitals, Al. I mean, you, you've done a lot with hospitals. I know we ran into each other at the um, AHR convention. You were getting ready to do a presentation on filtration in hospitals. What's new with respect to hospitals? I know some use, what is it, um, 100% fresh air or outdoor air when, when in the operating rooms. At least that's the way it was in the past. Are you still seeing that? Gosh, Joe, I think that probably ended um, five to ten years ago. Hospitals started recirculating air in the operating room, and it, a couple of things occurred. Number one, a lot of the processes in in the operating room became a lot more efficient. Uh, one of the one of the fears, of course, in the early days in the operating room was that as we gave um, quote unquote as we gave gas to anesthetize the, the patient on the table, 
We certainly didn't want that gas to escape into the room and anesthetize the doctor during the operation. So a lot of the idea of using 100% outdoor air in the operating room was to you know, take that air in and take all of it out so that there wasn't any chance whatsoever that, that there was any type of uh, chance of the doctor getting um, anesthetized by anything that's anesthetizing the patient. Of course, we've moved away from a lot of that now and, and um, use uh, the chemical types to, to uh, anesthetize patients instead of uh, gas type things. So the, there's recirculation in the in the operating room. I, 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 it just varies in different types of situations, but they've tried as much as possible to reduce the uh, the outdoor air intake into hospital operating rooms, and they recirculate air now pretty much like you would do in a, in a typical facility. Uh, obviously, in operating rooms, we would hope that they're using HEPA filtration over the operating table. Uh, most new facilities uh, are doing that. Most existing facilities are rehabbing and uh, refurbishing what they have and renovating to upgrade to uh, HEPA filter modules that actually go on the ceiling of the operating room. There's still um, a large amount of particulate generated in an operating room. It's, it is, it, if the room is not designed for the airflow and air filtration correctly, a lot of that goes back up to the patient. And we still have far too many um, hospital-acquired infections operating room infections that uh, that take place. Uh, I'd like to put in a plug here, if I could, for, for Dr. Jennifer Wagner. She's uh, another individual who's out trying to take clean room technology. You know, we're able to remove and manufacture uh, silicone chips with, with extremely small uh, number of defects because we remove everything from the air, the particles, the gases, everything out of the air. And so Dr. Wagner is trying to uh, take into uh, the, hop- the hospital operating room this same kind of technology. Let's, lo- let's use clean room technology in the hospital operating room. Again, it's not exactly the same environment, but she's been able to show that with, uh, with the proper mounting of ceiling HEPA filters over a hospital operating room and the, and the correct airflow, uh, you're able to reduce a lot of these uh, these operating room acquired infections. So these overhead HEPAs are essentially they're 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 not connected to the outside air. They're just cleaning the air within the room, like a room si- room size air filtration you know device you would use in your own bedroom. Yes, and it, and it gives you uh, again because air is turbulent. Uh, we, we always use the term laminar flow, which means the air travels very, very nicely and, and, and neatly in one direction, uh, down over, for example, over the hospital operating table, and then, and then it, it sweeps the contaminant out of the room and it's, it, it goes back into the HVAC system. But it, it, there's a lot of turbulence in air, and so the, what the head filters on the ceiling tend to do is to give you a little bit better laminar flow over the hospital operating table. And that's one of the new things that, that trying to make sure that all hospitals are doing is, is having that HEPA-filtered uh, air in the operating room, HEPA-filtered air in ICU, obviously uh, definitely HEPA-filtered air in the isolation and protective uh, type rooms that, that are in hospitals. Uh, hospitals continue to be a very, very uh, difficult environment to keep clean, as you know. You know, 
a good many of our listeners are in the indoor air quality disaster restoration world, and and some of them clean mechanical systems. And I'm just wondering if you have any specific uh, tips for them with respect to some of these healthcare facilities and cleaning these mechanical systems. Always, my my first would be to um, I, I guess as the charges of a doctor is the first thing is to do no harm, making sure that the the unit is isolated so that when you're doing your cleaning work that you're not re-entraining any particles uh, into the air, into the system, or into the facility. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's always a, a danger of uh, in cleaning that you re-entrain some kind of, of contaminant into the air. So I guess that would be my main concern. If they're cleaning the systems in these hospitals is to is to make sure that they're isolating the system and the facility such that, that, the, that they don't spread whatever is in an HVAC system uh, throughout the entire system. And, and the second thing is I would always make sure that they understand that they need to wear uh, personal protective equipment. Uh, a lot of times we think uh, things aren't necessarily deadly, but they can be hazardous. And so you go into a system that might have a particular type of um, the bacteria or mold in that system. And as you're cleaning it, uh, if, if you're not careful to wear personal protective equipment, uh, you could in effect uh, in, infect yourself with that same kind of thing and Instead of cleaning the hospital, you become a patient in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't like that. I know a lot of your members are probably the people in there replacing these HEPA filters after their, you know, their time is up, um, time to change them. What kind of precautions do they take? Anytime you're changing a high-efficiency filter or a HEPA filter especially, um, we would normally recommend that you wear uh, good protective clothing and gloves. And uh, with HEPA filtration, I always recommend to go ahead and wear a full-face respirator with HEPA filters on it. Um, your eyes and, and other parts uh, offer a way to get into your into the inside of your body. So you always need to make sure that uh, in addition to protecting your lungs, which is the place, of course, where the outside environment comes closest to the inside of your body, that you also watch to, to cover your eyes and those kinds of things. And a full-face respirator, I always recommend that for HEPA filtration. And what about when after they change these filters, does someone come in and clean the room, or do your guys do that as well? It just depends on what who, who's doing the service. Some do that. Some, some uh, places really don't allow that and have the hospital crew come in after uh, and do it uh, with uh, with whatever they recommend. I, I would say normally that's a facility-dependent thing, Joe. Okay. Cliff, anything you want to get before we round things up? Um, just one comment uh, on condensate pans. You know, why are they always either improperly designed uh, uh you know, why don't they drain? Uh, whose fault is it? <laughs> well, you're right. Drains pan. The drain pans don't drain. What is what's the problem with that? Um, there are a couple of things. By the very nature, number one, most of the time, unfortunately, a drain pan is located on the um, 
uh, on the on the on the negative pressure side of the fan. So you you automatically try to cause the water to flow out of a tube when you're creating a, a vacuum inside that HVAC system. So that probably is one of the biggest reasons why drain pans have a little bit uh, of difficulty. I, having said that. Uh, you and I have probably both seen drain pans where the drain line is about one inch above the bottom of the pan. So you have a standing one-inch reservoir of microorganisms, uh, nice, nice moisture for microorganisms and dust and dirt and all kinds of things to, uh, to get into. Why I recommended earlier that a lot of these facilities are going to... Uh, to ultraviolet germicidal irradiation downstream, and it, it really works well. It is a it's an excellent application of of very very proven technology that pays benefits for the facility. Thank you. Now I've got a text question, and then one I want to ask. Um, it says, "Why do we install MERV eleven filters in our HVAC equipment, and then install an HVAC?" or an HRV heat recovery ventilator bringing in 150 CFM through a foam filter? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, we shouldn't do that, should we? I mean, that is, your your text person is correct that we we need to treat any air coming in as if it were um, were contaminated air and, and don't use different styles or different MERV number of filters uh, to do different things. We need to, to make sure that we're filtering at the highest level both ways. And one more before we go. What new technologies do you see with respect to filtration? What's the most promising things coming out? Uh, the, the industry is still developing new uh, types of media. And obviously, the, the smaller the fiber, the smaller the particle you can capture. And so nanofibers are now one of the hot items on the plate. And, and we, we are looking to include nanofibers in with regular fibers so that you have a, a, a mixed fiber filter, one that can not only capture the, the, uh, the, the larger particles, but one with nanofibers that can also capture very small particles. So I think that probably the way it is today, Joe, nanofibers are what uh, we're looking for in the future to be able to have some increased efficiency in filtration. And before we go, Al, is there anything we missed that you'd like to add? I'd just always like to say thanks for allowing uh, us to talk about air filtration. We we in the industry sometimes uh, get lulled to think that it's... Um, it's it's the most the most important thing and um, and uh, that it's boring to people. But I think it's a pretty interesting topic, and I think people are concerned to make sure that the air they're breathing is as clean as it can possibly be. Because we in the industry think strongly that clean air is is uh, is good health. I mean, that's if you're breathing clean air, you're you're going to stay healthy. That's for sure. And we appreciate you joining us. I also appreciate you putting me in contact with Dr. Stevens. I'd love to get him on. Um, we've got an email out to him now. Talk a little bit more about the, the paper that you guys, um, that he prepared for you, and then he's got a lot of other interesting stuff we'd like to talk to him about as well. But um, thanks so much for joining us, Al. Maybe what we could do, we really didn't get to talk much about um, 
filtration for gases, etc. And, and maybe what we could do, I know you've got maybe a little change of the guard occurring here down the road. Maybe we could bring in one of your um, people that, you know, more um, more knowledgeable in that subject and, and along with you and kind of help people uh, recognize the changing of the guard. Be happy to do that. And again, uh, make sure that uh, the folks that in your audience look for uh, a local NASA person, if they want, if they have additional questions about air filtration, uh, just to uh, either that or, or uh, give us a, a flag on our website at uh, nasahq.org, www.nasahq.org. And there's a list of people that would be members and would be much very knowledgeable on filtration on that site. You bet. Yes, sir. Thanks. Fantastic. Al, thank you so much. Al Veek for joining us this week on IAQ Radio. It's been very interesting. I enjoyed talking to you, got to know you a little bit uh, at, at the AHR meeting, and this has been fun. I also want to thank my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff. Great job. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, yeah. Joe. Look forward to next week. Yeah, we're, we're still working on next week. I've got uh, John. you got to have faith. Great job. Uh, things are working smoothly here. Thanks to our growing group of loyal listeners. We'll be back next Friday at noon with the next episode of IAQ Radio. This has been another IAQ Radio production. 